0: Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.
1: This is Pete Vecchi, and I am glad to be with you today for another episode of Reconciling Grace. On our panel today, Steve Wilson. And Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is going to be leading the uh, teaching today, and our topic is righteous living. So, Vicki, do you have a reason why this came up as one of the topics today, or is it just something that has been on your heart, or what?
2: You know, I just, it was just something as I was praying about, you know, radio programs, and I just felt directed to it, you know, by the Lord. I think it's important to talk about what that means to live righteously because the Bible talks a lot about it from mm-hmm. the Old Testament, through, Old Testament through the New Testament about living righteously. And so I think it's just one of those things that we can uh, get into the Scriptures and talk about uh, life and, and what this really means uh, to people to live righteous lives.
1: And I didn't mean to throw that out at you as a, as a question about where did this come from, but you answered it so well, I, I really like what you said. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, the dictionary defines righteous as morally right or justifiable. So righteousness is being righteous in the sense of being in a right relation to others. It has to do with our conduct, both ethical and moral. So it's a state of being morally correct and justifiable. So simply put, um, righteousness is just right living. Um, Do you think people in our society believe it's important to do what is right, or does
0: it really matter to them? I think it's one of many values. So I think a lot of people, you know, they wouldn't admit to this, but seeing the way a lot of people live is, yeah, I think doing what's right is important until something more important comes up. Mm. So until living right or doing what's right or doing what my mom and daddy told me gets in the way of what I want to do. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if I want to have an affair, well, now, love becomes more important than doing what is right, you know that kind of thing,
2: kind of making up
0: what is right a little bit well, I'm putting things in in a higher place than what is right, okay you know the heart wants what the heart wants, and mm-hmm. well, it might not be right, but yeah it's justifiable okay
1: to me it's right is what you're saying in other words i'm not i 'm not joking when I say that there are some people who will say, well. For me, this is the right thing. Now, it might not be the right thing for another person. I think one of the other things that we need to look at here is that um, there are people who I think really don't care if it's right or not. They just they want what they want. Um, think about, you know who I think about? People who spend all this time and energy trying to hack into other people's bank mm-hmm. accounts. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I'm one of these people It's like, if I had the opportunity to do that, I don't know how I could live with myself if I took what belonged to somebody else. But there are other people who that means absolutely nothing to, whether it's taking you know, a $20 bill off of somebody's hand or robbing somebody at gunpoint or, or whatever it might be. There are some people who really do not think that it is important at all yeah. to do the right thing.
2: Yeah, they don't care about other people, in essence. They only care about themselves. And so I recently heard a, a story um, just this week about an eight-year-old boy. He found some money in an envelope, and it was in one of those bank envelopes. And so it had the receipt inside uh, from the bank, and there was nine hundred dollars just laying there on the floor. And he's eight years old, you know, and he sees it. That's a lot and, uh, of. Uh, that's rooms. a lot. Yeah, that is. That's a lot of money. And uh, it it didn't say in the story, like if his parent was nearby, I'm I'm sure he or she wasn't far away because he's only eight years old, but it just told the story that he found this and he had that little bit of a struggle inside. It's like, am I going to just hide this or am I going to uh, let people know that I found it and maybe give it back to the right people? And so he had that little bit of a struggle so we can see that temptation was present. You know, the devil likes to get his uh, two cents in there to try to discourage us or try to get us to do the the wrong thing. But he ended up, I don't know if he, I don't know how this came about. I don't know if he told his parents or what. But anyway, as the story went, um they contacted the people, uh, I guess from the the department store and I won't name the name, but the department store of uh, where they found it and they must have took it to the customer service or whatever. But anyway, uh they contacted these people and they were able to get their $900 back. And then um the store decided to give this boy a gift card didn't say how much it was or anything and so you know i'm sure that meant a lot a lot to him Uh, but as i thought later about this about what was right um in this after the lord was showing me hey i want you to talk about righteousness and this came to my mind and so it made me think about how it was nice for him to receive that gift card you know that was really great thing for them to do Uh, but anyway do we have to be rewarded for what is right we have to have a reward for that. For instance, at the workplace, uh, for years now it's gotten to the point where well, we're going to have to give some incentives for people to show up at work. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there has to be some kind of a reward for this or, or another things that may concern work that we get rewards from uh, or from school, a re- reward for uh, attendance. Like uh, my grandchildren, they, there's this thing at the school where uh, if you have good conduct uh, and I think it's quarterly. Good conduct, uh, good attendance. Uh, you can miss if you're sick, but I don't know if it's a day or two what it is. Um, if you get good grades, you know, uh, then you get this uh, incentive to go somewhere. They go to the park or they go to some place. I don't know, a trampoline park or something is that they do. And so as I ask this question, I'm not speaking against any kind of rewards or anything like that, but why don't we talk about that? Do, you, do we have to have a reward for doing what is right? What do you think?
1: Do we have to, or and does it help? Does people
2: uh, think that you have to have a reward?
1: I think more and more in this society, um, people are thinking you have to have a reward. It's interesting that you bring up the whole idea of workplace, um, Vicky. I know that you are working now as a manager, mm-hmm. and I have worked as a manager in you know in secular work before, and um, it's sometimes getting harder and harder to find people who want to work. They want to be paid. They want to have a job, but sometimes they don't want to work. And I was talking to somebody very recently um, about a situation going on at their work. And they were saying, you know, sometimes it's difficult to be the one who keeps trying to go the extra mile and do all the other stuff and really not getting any um, recognition for it and watching other people just doing the bare minimum and getting the same type of. Um, you know, whether they're getting paid or whatever. And I basically had to remind this person, as I have to remind myself many times when I'm especially doing a, a job for somebody and I see other people not doing the job, um, that we're we're working for a boss that is not of this world.
2: Yeah. What's that scripture that came to my mind when you were saying that? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And Jesus also... Uh, Talking about servants, he said, um, you know, a servant, instead of being thanked or or taking a place of honor or something, should just say, I just did what I was supposed to do. You know, and I always, I don't know, this idea of rewards for doing what is right. um, And, you know, people thinking that it's it's mandatory or that they deserve this reward for doing what is right. It's just it's kind of ridiculous to me. Like, no, you did what is right because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. There doesn't have to be another incentive behind it. Right. Now, God is gracious to us because he gives us rewards. But that's grace. We don't deserve it. You know, that, that's, that's him saying, hey, I'm God. I'm the king. Do what mm-hmm. I say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, that should be it. Like, we don't need anything beyond that. But God is gracious to us. It says, okay, but I am going to bless you, Mm -hmm. and I am going to give you eternal life, and I am going to give you my presence in this world, and those are rewards. Right. But we shouldn't, you know, go around and say, well, I I deserve rewards. You know, even at work, if I go to work, I expect to get paid. This is a transaction. Right. I do something for you. You give me my paycheck. That's it. You know, you don't have to give me year-end bonuses. You don't have to give me prizes for coming to work on time, we've made this deal, that's all it has to be.
1: And wasn't there a uh, very interesting parable that Jesus told about the workers in the field who were hired at the different times of day, mm-hmm. where the ones who were hired first were were given a denarius, which was basically um, worth the standard day's wage, and um, somebody who was hired at the last hour of the day, um, he said that he would the the owner or the manager or whatever said that he would give him whatever was fair and so he said okay uh, at the end of the day have all these people come to me to get their pay starting with the ones who were hired last and the one who was hired last and worked only an hour got a full day's pay so the other ones thought they'd get more but they didn't they got what they had agreed to and Steve I think you said something that was really important there about you know the fact that we have these promises from God, you know, the the Holy Spirit leads us. And I think that's a very important distinction for those of us who are Christians compared to people who might not be Christians. And I hope there are non-Christians listening to us today um, because there's a difference when the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit can tell you and prompt you and lead you to act in a righteous way, whereas there are people in this world who really don't care about it. All they're interested in is, what can I get out of it?
2: Right. And for this little boy, he didn't ask for it. You know, like you were saying, Steve, like at the workplace, you should do it because it's what's right. But I think that that reward that the department store just decided to give him probably really spoke to his heart. Like, this was something he's never going to forget, you know, that I struggled with the decision that I should make, you know, and, and I made the right choice. You know, but but we shouldn't expect it. We should just do what is right, uh, because it's the right thing to do and not really need uh, a reward for that. Any other thoughts on that?
1: No, I guess we should All right, keep so, on moving.
2: <laughs> so in speaking of righteousness, we can't be righteous on our own, can we? No. You know, as far as no person can be righteous on their own. So God is righteous and he's the only one that can instill righteousness within us. And so it's possible for us to live righteously, but it's through him uh, that made that possible. So it's a matter of conformity to his righteous standard. And I believe God has instilled within people a a moral compass, a conscience that God pricks uh, in our hearts to steer us in the right direction. Because I know that uh, happened to me when I was growing up. Um, I felt that strong desire in my heart to do what was right. Not just once, it just kept coming up uh, over and over again. Um, Now, that didn't take away my ability to choose to do what is wrong, you know. Uh, But I just felt that. uh, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I felt that influence uh, to do what was right. And I wasn't a Christian at the time, but years later, God showed me that uh, He had set me apart. And there was a particular instance that happened over that uh, at church if I would have accepted Christ if I understood what it was. And so I'm just trying to say that there's that uh, that moral compass that God has given inside of us to steer us to try to do uh, what is right. And I didn't always choose to do what's right because I was a sinner, but one day uh, that all changed when I got saved and accepted Jesus as my Savior.
1: Well, that's a very important thing to um, remember is that we call that, I think, prevenient grace, the grace that goes before And that's, I think, a really good spot for us to, right now, take a quick break for our sponsors. So we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode of Reconciling Grace.
2: Okay, so we've been talking about righteous living. And uh, the last thing we talked about was... um, that, having a, that we can have a conscience, that God has given us a conscience also to steer us into living right. We had been talking about how in society, how we felt about uh, whether or not people choose to live righteous or not. Uh, but now we're going to kind of go into an area of how we become righteous, because we can't become righteous on our own. You know, we can have a conscience uh, that can prick our hearts to choose to do what's right, but we can still choose uh, to do what is wrong. And so that doesn't make us righteous, uh, because we have a conscience. But um, one day, for me, that all changed when I got saved and accepted Christ as my Savior. Because I didn't always do what was right. Um, not that I still can't choose to do what's wrong. Um, but the Scriptures tells us that when we repent and accept Jesus as our Savior, we become a new person, spiritually speaking. And so the Bible says that we're uses terms like we're born again, uh, we're a new creation. Uh, tells us the old is gone, the new has come, that that previous life that we used to live, that life of sin uh, is gone. And that's what that means. And now we have this new life. So when we repent, then that's the beginning of our transformation. It's where it all starts. And the proof of that is found in 1 John 1, 9. The scripture says, uh, and John had been talking about sin and how everybody had sinned. And then he said, if we confess our sins he, meaning Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what does that mean to us concerning righteousness or righteous living? What's the scripture trying to say?
0: Well, to purify us from all unrighteousness, uh, you know, kind of gives me the, the image that, well, of course, we need to be purified from something. Um, You know, you're dirty or you're mixed, and that's kind of how I see people is we're mixed. We want to do what's right, but we have this unrighteousness in us. We have this Mm -hmm. sinful nature in us that keeps us from being pure, that keeps us from being able to do what is right as much as we want to. And so we need that part of us, um, that unrighteousness cleansed or taken out of us or or straightened up within us, you know, however you wanna say it, mm-hmm. to have that transformation um, because without it, we can't right. be righteous. You know, I, I look at the Old Testament as this one big object lesson where God says, okay, here's the rules, and if you can do it, you'll be righteous in my eyes. And lo and behold, nobody could do it because they still had that sinful nature. No one could live up to God's standards. And so, you know, we can say, well, you know, we can be good. We can be good people. We can be moral people. Well, that doesn't measure up to God's standards. Right. Because you still have that unrighteousness within you that pulls you in two different directions. Even you try to do what's right, you still can't do it all the time.
2: Right. It's like that roller coaster ride, isn't it? trying to do what is right one day, and then then you mess up the next. But this scripture is showing us that it's possible uh, to have it purified from us.
1: Right, and I believe that that's what um, we would call in the Church of the Nazarene entire sanctification because we believe that God actually will um, cleanse our spirits from unrighteousness, from that selfishness. Because our spirits, when we are born... Um, They are not righteous. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a conscience, Mm -hmm. but there is that part of us that wants our way, that wants our selfishness. And when God cleanses that from us, our spirits within us can truly desire when the Holy Spirit lives within us and within our spirits. Our spirits can truly, truly desire what God wants. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to do it perfectly because we still have these bodies. We still have these minds that are not perfected and we we might mess up, but there is that one part of us that truly, truly wants what God wants once we have um, received the Holy Spirit into our lives.
2: Yeah, and that change takes place, like we said, right at the beginning, uh, but it's a process that we're gonna have to go through, and there is that moment of entire sanctification as well, mm-hmm. and then the process continues, uh, but it is a, a transformation that, that starts right then so this sin and this unrighteousness, which is the sin uh, that's darkened our hearts, it's been cleansed, you know. Uh, God has given us this gift of the uh, Holy Spirit now to live within us. And so to direct us, you know, like you were saying, into this righteous living, it's kind of like saying that He's given us this gift of righteousness. And so we know then that it's possible to live a righteous life because the Scripture said right there, we've been purified from all unrighteousness. So does that mean we can never sin again?
1: No, it does not. Because as I said before, our spirits have been perfected, but our bodies might not want to go and do that extra mile mm-hmm. that that um, our spirits are trying to tell us to do, or um, our minds might give us a justification for not doing the right thing. Well, you really need that money more than that really rich banker needs it or whatever, <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that. There'll be that kind of stuff where your mind will play tricks, even though your spirit will be... Um, witnessing to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. You know, we go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, they had uh, perfect free will where nothing was interfering with them. They had an open choice, do what is right or do what is wrong. And they chose uh, after, you know, a period of time to do what is wrong. Then that sinful nature... That unrighteousness entered into us or, um, you know, kind of changed within us, however, we want to talk about that. And now, if we're living in that sinful state, we no longer have an open choice. We no longer are uh, freely independent to choose what is right or what is wrong in equal measure. That sinful nature draws us toward what is wrong. So the, the odds are stacked against us. If we're living in that sinful state, we want to do what is wrong. Now when God cleanses us from unrighteousness, now we're back to that free state where we can say, okay, we we don't have to choose that. We're not drawn to that as, as strongly as we were. We're back to the Garden of Eden state where we have true free will. Yes, we can still sin again, but that desire is not as strong within us right
2: because it's the holy spirit's now living in us and the holy spirit is taking over uh, influencing and helping but do you find it to be a struggle to live righteously
1: sometimes sure and then other times not as much i i believe that we're still human we still um will be tempted we will still be tempted more in some areas of our lives than than we might be in other areas of our lives. I might be tempted in in areas where you aren't. You might be tempted in areas where I am not. And right about the time that I think, "Well, I'm not having to worry about temptation in this point of life," guess what? Here it comes.
0: Yeah.
2: There's a a good scripture here from Romans traf- chapter twelve, verse two. And Steve, you want to read that for us, please?
0: Yeah. It says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think.
2: All right. A new person changing the way you think. Why is changing the way you think important in our Christian walk?
1: The things we fill our mind with are going to be the things that we think about. The things that we think about are going to be the things that uh, cause us to act different ways. And if we can keep thinking about things from a godly perspective that will help us to keep that uh, perspective in mind and, and hopefully help us to have our actions follow the godly way of doing things.
2: And that kind of goes along with what you said earlier about whether or not we struggle. It's going to depend on how we're living, too, whether or not it's going to be a struggle. If you're putting yourself out there, like you just said, and you're, you're putting yourself in sinful places or something like that, uh, then you might have more of a struggle
0: uh, with that. So what do you think, Steve? Well, I just keep thinking about how Christians see things completely different than non-Christians. You know, that Pete used the word perspective. We have a different perspective on things. And so, uh, you know, we see things from God's point of view. And so that influences how we live, uh, our attitudes, the things that we think about. Yeah. And that God is the one that changes that
2: perspective, right? Mm -hmm. He's the one, as the scripture says here, uh, let God transform you into that new person by changing uh, the way you think. And so we have viewed our thinking and our believing through the lens of our previous life, haven't we? The life of sin that we lived. Uh, I mean, how many of us, probably all of us, when we became Christians, I was in my 20s when I became a Christian, so I had ways of thinking that once i started reading the bible and going to church and hearing the word and 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 praying and all these things god started transforming the way i think and so when he started transforming the way i think then it transforms behavior right yeah Uh, if we change our thinking then we're going to change our living right right and so we got to continually be uh trying to do that i mean people that are listening to rex and Sally grace you know they're they're getting that aren't they we are getting fed in different ways you know of of whatever we're listening to, different podcasts, or even music on the radio, the Christian radio, or, you know, and going to church is so vitally important, uh, just to put that plug in there, how some people think that that's not important, you know, even for Christians, but it is, it's it's, it's not only um, for the fellowship and everything that you get there, but you're going to hear the Word, you know, through the teaching and the preaching, and, and God speaks to you through the songs that have been God-led, you know. and. And you're going to be talking with other people, and you're going to get everything to try to help you along in this life. Because if we try to just live it on our own, it's going to become more difficult. you know. And so we come along with other people who are Christian people and who are trying to live this righteous life, and uh, if we had struggles going on in our life or things going on, that helps us as well uh, in making sure that we're staying on the right track and getting that encouragement and uh, everything that we need. But uh, we have to allow God to change our thinking and our believing into His way of thinking and believing. Because Steve, you said earlier about that standard, you know, and that God has placed the standard of what righteousness is. But it's, it's, it's possible. We can live out uh, this righteous, holy life because we've got the Holy Spirit within us uh, to help us in that. So our behavior will change from sinful living to this righteous or right living. And we know that that's possible, as the Scripture said here, uh, only through Jesus Christ. So uh, we have another scripture here we want to read. at 2 Corinthians 5.21. Pete, would you read that for us, please?
1: God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
2: Okay, so we can see that this is possible through Christ. Uh, uh, righteousness, though, has always been a characteristic of the children of God. It's not just a, a New Testament concept. We also see it in Old Testament Scriptures. And we're just going to look uh, at a few of them right now. You know, We've heard the story of Job, Uh, if you haven't ever read that, it's a tremendous book. Uh, He went through a lot of the struggles and trials of his life, but right at the beginning, um, and I just want to add there that he always stayed true to God even in the midst of that, Uh, but right uh, at the beginning in chapter 1 verse 1, as the book begins, it describes him as a man who was blameless and upright. Who feared God and turned away from evil. And so we can see there that uh, he had a relationship with God, right? He was living righteously. It says he was blameless, he was upright. And so, uh, verse 10 lets us know that when tragedy struck, though, Job made the statement Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? And throughout all of this, Job did not sin in what he said, the scripture says. So he continued to live righteously. And so just through Job, we can see there's one example that the Bible says here was someone uh, that chose to live for God and he was blameless uh, and upright. And then there's Abraham, um, Genesis uh, 15, 6. Let's read about Abraham. Steve?
0: It says he believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness.
2: Okay, so he was also a child of God who lived righteously. And then lastly, and we can talk about this one uh, a little more uh, in depth, uh, is Noah. And uh, Pete, you got that verse, don't you?
1: Yeah, Genesis 6 9, second half of verse 9 says, He was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And
2: that's in contrast with how the people of his generation lived, but it just shows uh, from these examples that how we live shows who we belong to. And uh, I want to close with a scripture from Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, it says it so well what we've been talking about. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age.
1: Well, you were just righteous with that program there, Vicki, and I do appreciate it. Um, we are just about getting ready to close today, so I want to thank you, Vicki, for Um, All the work you did on this, and Steve, as usual, your contributions were fantastic. And so this is Pete Vecchi for Steve Wilson, for Vicki Cundiff. Thank you for joining us today for Reconciling Grace.
0: This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, Please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace.